Almighty God, as we listen to your word, help us to accept it into our hearts, whatever its challenges and comforts for us today. Amen. So we're continuing our short series on the Apostles' Creed. So far, we've thought about God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, of Jesus Christ conceived by the Holy Spirit, how Christ suffered, died and was buried, and how he rose again on the third day. And and now, today, we're looking at how he is seated at the right hand of God. You know, Keith said, and it's true, that every statement in the Apostles' Creed is a miracle. And with each miracle building on each other, that strengthens the foundation of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But first, a story, not so much a joke as a story. So there was this man who was very rich. He had no relatives and he decided that he didn't want to leave all his money to the taxman. So he wanted to bring it with him to heaven. So he prayed and he asked God, I want to bring all my wealth to heaven. And God said, no, that's not allowed. You come and you're born with nothing, you leave with nothing. The man said, prayed again and says, look, I just don't want all this money to go to waste and I don't want the tax man to get it. God again said, no, I'm sorry, you can't bring it. And then he prayed one last night, oh, please, please, God, let me bring it. And so God says, well, okay, you can bring it. He says, but this is what you've got to do. You've got to convert it into gold bars and have it placed with you in the coffin. The man says, okay, I'll do that. So he wrote it into his will and his executors knew that. And his solicitor made all the necessary arrangements when he died and was buried. So with him were two huge bags full of gold. So the man's got the gold bag, the bags with the gold, and he's walking up to the pearly gates. And Peter's there, and he's going, oh, nice to see you today, right on time. He says, what's that you've got there? He says, oh, it's these bags. I'm told I can bring them in. No. You can't do that. God says, yes, he would make an exception for this. He would make an exception for me today. Peter says, I'm going to have to check this. So he went away and spoke to God and came back and says, well, that's a first. You can bring it in. So the man lifts up the heavy bags and steps over the threshold into heaven and he puts them down again because they're really, really heavy. And out of interest, Peter says, what's in the bag? And he opened the bag. Peter looked in and says, paving stones? Paving stones? You know, heaven is paved. Paving stones are made of gold. There are no earthly treasures that we 
have that will not fade into total insignificance compared to what awaits us in heaven. And how do I know that? I know that because Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We know in Acts that Jesus ascended to heaven about six weeks after Easter. They were on a hill, all the disciples were there, and he was taken up to heaven in a cloud. Now in the Bible and all through scripture, clouds represent the glory and presence of God. And if any of the disciples needed it, that was an affirmation that Jesus Christ was indeed God. You remember how God appeared in the fire and cloudy pillar and how the cloud descended onto Sinai when Moses met with them and received the Ten Commandments and the instructions to build the house of meeting, the tabernacle. You remember that Elijah was on the top of a mountain in a storm and clouds when God passed before him. And here again, when Jesus ascended into heaven, in a cloud, not a fluffy cloud with cherubs, the very presence of God, the Father confirming Christ's divinity as he ascended. Which brings us on to our reading today. It's from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, just verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for his sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus didn't sit down because he was tired or exhausted. He didn't sit down because he felt he wanted to put his feet up on his footstool. He sat down because his work of salvation was complete. Nothing more needed to be done. Jesus did it on the cross as he died he uttered, it is finished. Once and for all time, once for everyone, Jesus' work of salvation is complete. And now he's sitting at the right hand of God and he shares God's strength, God's authority and his blessings. It is the highest place and the highest honor possible. Christ rules both in heaven and on earth. He is the one true authority to which we will all have to submit in due course. He secured the victory of sin and death and opened up the pearly gates of heaven so that all who may call on his name may be saved and have the fullness of life that Christ promised, not only just here on earth, but in heaven, in his presence. So what does that mean for us in the 21st century here in Dalkeith? 
first of all, first of all, it assures us that Christ's sacrifice on the cross, which dealt with all our sin, which stripped away the barriers between heaven and earth, was valid. It was acceptable to God the Father. Christ is our royal priest and princely king who offered his own righteous blood in the heavenly tabernacle once for all. And that means that the consequences of sin, which we know in Romans, the wages of sin is death. The consequence, the penalty of all my sin, past, present, and future, has been nullified, has been replaced by the Father's love. The consequence of your sin, past, present, and future, has been paid. Thank God. The barrier of sin has been broken once for all. Jesus has reunified heaven and earth, the physical universe and the spiritual realms under his ultimate authority. He sits on the throne at the right hand of God and he rules in power with mercy and grace. Many of you will remember the Cold War when it started, when Russians moved across the eastern part of Europe and when they started to build that wall right down the middle of Germany. A barrier between east and west. Germany was split as a country. It was two different realms under two different authorities. And when the wall came down, the barrier was taken away. The peoples of East and West Germany were reunified, reunified as one nation. And that is what Christ has done when he ascended to heaven. He reunified the whole of creation, physical and spiritual, under God's authority. We know that when Christ died, the curtain in the temple was torn, torn in two, ripped apart. That curtain hid the Holy of Holies from all but the priest once a year. And God ripped it apart, top to bottom, not earth to heaven, but heaven to earth, so that we may all have access to God into his presence. The way is open. The barrier is gone because of Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. There's the story of the scapegoat. At each Passover, there would be a scapegoat which would go out into the country. They would tie a red ribbon on its horn and it would wander off into the desert and die. And the story is told that after the resurrection, after the crucifixion and res resurrection of Jesus Christ, the scapegoat returned for the next seven years. And when it returned, the ribbon was white. Christ's sacrifice on the cross 
once for all, accepted by the Father, meant there's no need for other continuing sacrifices. The top curtain was rent apart to demonstrate that the perfect Passover lamb, pure and innocent, paid the price and opened the life gate for us. Heaven and earth is united and we can come before our God and God can reside in and with his people just as God the Father had planned right from the very beginning in Genesis in the Garden of Eden where there was no barrier between heaven and earth. It was all one. That concept of God, that all oneness reunited, reunified. God is with his people just as in the garden. Jesus is our sacrificial lamb who opened the gate to everlasting life for us. He is also our high priest. He's sitting there at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf, your behalf, my behalf. Jesus knows what it is to be fully human. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He grew up in and around Nazareth. He worked with his father in the carpentry shop. And he ministered in and around Galilee and Judea. He knows what it is to be joyful and happy. He knows what it is to be in fear and despair and betrayed. He shares all our hopes and dreams. He knows them. There is nothing that we can experience in life here in Dalkeith, in Scotland and in the world that Jesus does not understand or is unable to comprehend. He loves us dearly and cares about every aspect of our life. And his desire is that we have that fullness of life now and in heaven. And he is by God's right hand and he is praying for me. He is praying for you. He knows when you're feeling great and rejoicing. He knows when life is getting you down and he prays that you will have strength to persevere. When you are hurting physically or emotionally, he prays that you will know his comfort and healing. He sits at God's right hand to tell him just indeed how wonderful and precious you are. Do you know that I suppose you have photograph albums at home? Do you have some photograph albums at home or albums on your phone? You know, isn't it a great delight when you get them out and you share the pictures with friends and family? Say, oh, you know, here, here's Andrew when he was six months old and, and, and here he is when he's in his, in his, uh, his primary school and here's his school photographs. And, you know, you, you delight in sharing your history, your family's history, the growing up of your families with other people. And, you know, Jesus has the biggest iPad and iPhone in the country, in the world, because he's got a photograph of every single one of us on it. All our lives, all the wonderful things we're doing. And he sits and he says to God, look, 
here's Emma, look, there's John. See what, these are wonderful people. And he delights in interceding with God about us and for our, on our behalf. He is proud of each and every one of his children. And he delights in telling the father just how much he cares, how much he is proud of what you are done and what you are achieving for him here on earth. For you are all wonderful and precious and special to Jesus Christ. After all, he gave all he had to bring you into that relationship. He prays on our behalf and when we pray, when we pray, he is attentive to every single word of our prayer. When we're asking for help, when we are talking about someone else who just needs peace or compassion or someone whose life is in turmoil, he hears every single word because prayer is a two-way process. Jesus intercedes for us with the Father. We intercede with Jesus for ourselves and for our friends, our family, for neighbors, for our country, for anything that we take. He hears each and every word. And he delights when we do that. He delights when families speak, when they share things on behalf of and about each other. He is the king, the Passover lamb who sacrificed everything for us and he is alive in the right hand of God so we may be alive and with him in heaven. He intercedes for us so that we may know that he knows us, that he wants only the best for each and every one of us. And at the end of the day, we will see him face to face. But most of all as well, it establishes Christ's authority over heaven and earth. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. In Philippians, we read that God exalted Christ to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all names that every knee should bow and everyone confess Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the ultimate authority in heaven and on earth. Now, we are all under different types of authority, aren't we, here on earth in Dalkeith, in Midlothian, we are under the authority of our governments and our rules and regulations. We are under the authority of our bosses at work. We are under the authority of the police um, and, and many others as well. Some of the authorities that we are under are good and some are not so good. When I was uh, working in the bank, I met probably the best man manager I have ever worked for, a man named Carmel Nafail. What was special about him was he knew where he was going in the work that we were doing. 
He had a plan, he had a direction, he had an end goal, and he met it. But not only that, but he knew each and every person in his department, and there were over a hundred of us, by name. He knew the gifts and talents and the abilities of each and every one of us. And he strived for us to reach our potential, to give the best for that department and that job. And I'm quite sure that if he led us to the gates of hell, we would have followed and he would have led us back. Such was the respect and authority that that man had because he cared for each and every person. And yet, he was a great leader. He did have authority over us, but he did not have the ultimate authority. The ultimate authority has been granted to only one in the universe, and that is Jesus Christ. And that is why we can be sure that at the end of the age, everything will be made good. All the wicked people in the world will pay for their wickedness. All the evil that is done will be undone because Jesus is the ultimate authority. He has the ultimate say on what is right and what is wrong. He is the ultimate decision maker and he knows the end goal. The end goal is for everyone to reside with him in heaven. And he will move everything he can to achieve that aim. He established a church to share the good news throughout the world. He empowers the church through his spirit to do the same. He is the ultimate authority. He is the one true living God. He rules over all the nations of the world, all the kings, all the kingdoms, all the ideologies, all the philosophies. Christ has the final word. He is reigning now, this very moment, and we can have confidence in his rule and justice. There is no tyrant here on earth that will not avoid accountability to Jesus Christ. There are no evil ones who will miss out on standing before the throne and being judged. And just because someone doesn't believe in Christ's rule and authority doesn't negate or diminish Christ's authority. And as we live under Christ's authority here on earth, we can have the confidence in our King, our priest, our Savior. For Jesus is actively engaged in the world today, working through us to extend the kingdom, helping us to share the good news that we have a God who is for us and not against us, a God who has plans to prosper us and a God who seeks to save the lost. We have a God of justice, a God of mercy, who reigns supremely. He is seated at the right hand of God. God has given him all power and all authority.
in heaven and on earth. And we know that we have a just, merciful and compassionate God who seeks only the best for everyone in his world and looks to the future we will all reside in heaven. Take heart that we are have a saviour who rules over heaven, over earth, and over our lives. And we praise God for that. A prayer. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank you that in the throne room there is our King, our priest, and our Saviour who knows what it is to live and walk the earth and who knows how to strengthen and encourage us to overcome the obstacles we face and who will bring order out of the chaos at the end of the age. We thank you, Lord, that you are a just, righteous and merciful God. Help us to be your co-workers in the harvest field that you have placed us. In Jesus' name, amen.